<clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read several verses uh, throughout, but we're going to kind of go through them piece by piece. But we're going to begin in verse 1, and uh, we will read down through uh, most, if not all, the chapter. I can't really remember. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 1, we're going to title this lesson or message, Knowing the Will of God. So as we go about this, be trying to keep in mind that uh, we are attempting to know the will of God through these Scriptures. So, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. We look into the Scripture and we see Paul is telling us to follow God as children. But what does he mean? And we, uh, we, see, uh, we see that he's speaking of the same thing Jesus was speaking of. In Luke chapter 18, and six, verses 16 and 17, it says, But Jesus called unto, them, unto him and said, Suffer, little children, to come unto me. And forbid, uh, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter, in, enter therein. See, the disciples were forbidding the children to come unto Jesus. They, they wanted to come to Jesus for whatever reason. And they were forbidding them to come because, especially in that culture, uh, children... Were uh, you've heard of the term seen and not heard, or uh, not to speak unless you're spoken to, uh, which is which are uh, not necessarily bad uh, ideas, but when they're taken to a radical form, in that children are not even accepted in some things, and that's what Christ is is mentioning here, and it says that, uh, but we see that Jesus not only rebuked them. Uh, rebuked them for not allowing the children to come, but he, uh, he told that the only way they can enter into the kingdom of God is if they do so like a child. So we see Jesus is telling us that we must humble ourselves in order to be a part of his kingdom. Because what they were seeing, what he was seeing in the, in the disciples and what he dealt with them continually over his years uh, of being with them is showing them to be servants, right? Is showing them to humble themselves. Not looking to be of a great stature. Not to be of a great reputation. Because it says that Jesus made Himself of no reputation. Jesus being the Son of God. Being God Himself in the form of man. Came down in the most humble way, right? Uh, I believe Chelsea talked about it. If not, I heard somebody else talk about it. Um, talk about how Jesus came as a baby. Maybe we was talking about it some other time. Either way, we, I was talking or somebody had spoke about this, that Jesus came in the most humble way. He chose the most vulnerable thing to come into this earth as, a, a human baby. You, take, you, can take, uh, you can take most babies that are born uh, not of human but of animals, and they're, they're somewhat self-sufficient right from the beginning. You see horses and different things, they're, they're walking within minutes, right? Or at least within an hour or so. Uh, they're able to walk around. Uh, obviously, fish that are hatched, they're just 
fish. They just become fish. They're already functioning fully. You see all these different animals, and they're pretty well self-sufficient to some extent. They can move around. They can do a lot of things. Uh, uh, but a, a human baby is completely vulnerable. It can't move around at all. It can barely hold its head, right? It is completely reliant on, uh, on the mother, right? So Jesus came as humble as he could, right? As a, as a baby. That's how he came into this earth. He was just like you and I was when we was a baby. We, were, we, we needed everything. But throughout his ministry, as throughout his time on this earth, he was teaching the disciples to be humble, right? He was the, uh, the most powerful being on the planet, and yet he was humble and meek in every way. And uh, it wasn't that Jesus wants us to be ignorant as children, uh, but to no longer view ourselves as better or greater of a greater status than others. Uh, we've all experienced this in some way, uh, as a child or as a teenager as you are, uh, not being accepted into certain things just because of your age, right? That, uh, that because of who you are, just because of either your size, uh, like I said, your age, you're not allowed into certain things. Your, your opinion doesn't seem to matter. Right? You can say a lot of things, you can have a lot of ideas, but for the most part, adults are not going to listen to you because you're not an adult. Right? They, they, they view your opinion as less than their own. And we, uh, so this happens in the church even, and especially in the church. And Christ is telling us to become, <coughs> become humble, not looking to, uh, at others as though they can't do what we can. We must look to others in meekness and be looking for ways to serve not only them, but to serve Christ, right? That is what Jesus was teaching. He came to be a servant. He came to serve us. He came to give himself for us. And that is what Jesus was teaching, that these children that were coming to him, he wants us to come to, he wants us to come to God as children. We're going to come to Him in faith. We're going to come to Him in a manner that we look to others as though they're great. You can take uh, my, my little girls and they will look, look to you all. When you guys were at our house, uh, I'm pretty sure they were looking at all of you thinking, Wow, you know, wow, these kids, they're grown up. These guys are cool. Check them out. You know, because that's what they were... They, they don't know what you deal with. They don't know what the problems are. But they are looking to you uh, for direction, whether you know it or not. You look to your parents for direction, right? You trust them to take care of things. That is what, that's the kind of uh, attitude Christ was calling his disciples and calling you and I to come to him as. Humble, completely submissive, looking to help others, looking to be a part of things that... Uh, that would help people around us. Uh, along with the simple teaching of becoming humble, he also digs into, the, uh, into our hearts to show us who we really are as we continue in Ephesians <coughs> chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 3. It says, But fornication and all uncleanliness of co- or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as it becometh saints. Ne- uh, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of things. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
So not only does God expect us to remain humble, but to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves looking into our own actions and what the Scripture says about what we are doing. It says to not let fornication or uncleanness, uncleanness, uncleanliness or covetousness be found in a saint. But we know that we are not capable of overcoming these sins on our own. So why is Paul telling us this? In verse 2, he speaks about Christ becoming our sacrifice and becoming and being a sweet-smelling savior. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll read that verse again. It says, and, I, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savior. Uh, so what Paul was doing here was from the very beginning of the Scripture, he's pointing to Christ as our provision. Not only, uh, not only for our forgiveness, but for the victory because he says to walk in love. Uh, Jesus... Jesus said uh, in John 14 and 23, says that uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Love is what fulfills the law, right? It, it, it is what heals the sick, and it's what forgave the, uh, the woman caught in adultery. It was, uh, God, it was never God's intention for the law to cause us to point at each other and say this is what they're doing wrong. They need to be punished. But it was for us to say I have done wrong. Uh, I have wronged God. So let me help you. Mm-hmm. See it, was, it never was God's intention for him to make a rule that uh, make this law that says uh, do not commit adultery so that we could drag an adulterous woman to Jesus with our hands full of rocks waiting to stone her. That's not what God's intention of the law was. The law was to expose the sin in ourselves, right? The law was to expose us. So what to, to add to that, we see that maybe we're not quite as humble and meek. Maybe we don't view each other quite like Jesus wants us to view each other because we can easily look at somebody else's sin and say, look how wrong that is. Look how... Uh, Look how terrible they are. They need to, they need to know Jesus because they're getting drunk all the time. Well, <clears throat> uh, or they need to be punished because they're getting drunk all the time. Well, and the reality of it is, is that God never intended for the law for you to point at somebody and say, this is the judgment you're going to receive. The whole purpose was to expose it in yourself so that you could see yourself, so that you could help those around you, Right? A child doesn't really condemn a lot of people for things. A child is very forgiving, very uh, accepting of people, regardless of what they are. My uh, one thing. Uh, so my parents, they're they're not really churchgoers, and they they do smoke, and it's really funny uh, because uh, my girls don't even acknowledge that that, that smoking shouldn't be a thing. Like whenever we have some, if mom and dad send something home with us and uh, if it's of a cloth material or anything, it usually ends up smelling like their house, right? Because they smoke in it. If anybody's ever been around a house or people who smoke, uh, the smell just sticks to everything. Well, the girls will smell that and go, oh, it smells like grand, grand and pawpaws, 
You know, because that smells like their house. They, they actually like that smell. It reminds them of something. That's how it's simple and accepting they are. They don't even see the problem there. That is what Christ is calling us to. That is what Christ is calling everybody to. Not to look at somebody as though that, you know, not to look and point at that adulterous woman and say, you know what? The law says we should condemn you to death. The law says we should stone you. No, in love we accept that person. Mm. Because our, our goal is to not change them, but to bring them to Christ that does change them, right? Because it wasn't you that changed yourself. Yeah. Uh, let's see, lost my place. God, okay, I already read that. We must realize God is the judge and not us. And that, should all, that not only should uh, encourage us, but that should terrify us, right? Mm. We're not the judge, but God is. We know that God is merciful, but at the same time, we know God knows everything, right? And He's a just God. So we're going to continue in the Scriptures. Uh, Ephesians 5, we're going to start, uh, pick up in verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes uh, darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord walking as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it, is, uh, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Mm-hmm. Paul is showing us the separation that must take place. <coughs> Modern Christianity will say it's okay to sin. And to live like the world, this is a lie because the Bible is saying we must be separated like the light is from the darkness. Mm. Modern, modern teaching of Christianity will say, no, it's okay for you to be that adulterous woman. It's okay, you're fine, everything's fine. It's, God doesn't care, He's forgiving you. That is not what the Scripture says. But what, uh, what I was pointing out is that we don't, uh, when, even though we do not condemn somebody for their sin... That doesn't change the fact that the law exists, right? And that the law is good. But it's for our individual use. It must come to that woman that she understand what she done was wrong, right? And it must come to that woman to understand that Christ forgives her. But it must be through Christ that she overcomes that sin. It's the same for you and I. It's the law that exposes that sin in us. It is Christ that forgives us of that sin. And it is the Spirit of God that reproves us of that sin. So what we're seeing here is that Paul is showing us that separation. And what testimony would we have if we say we are Christians and yet we are at the same parties. We talk the same. We drink the same stuff. Watch or listen to the same trash that the world does. What testimony is that? That doesn't lead anybody to Christ, right? If I wanted to lead somebody away from a life of partying, doing drugs and different things, I will not be there with them, Mm. right? I cannot help somebody that's addicted to drugs if I'm doing drugs. I was talking to a man uh, that was uh, uh, in and out of prison a little bit and was uh, uh, addicted to drugs and stuff, and now his son is addicted to drugs. Been to jail, in and out, heading down that same road. Well, he's seen what that can do. He's seen the consequences of those actions. And he's gone to his son and tried to tell him, listen, this is not the way you want to go. But his son simply looked at him like everybody else would and say, who are you to tell me that? 
Who are you to tell me that I shouldn't do this? You do that same thing. That's the reality of it. You cannot say that you are a Christian, that you have what the answer is to their problems, and be standing in the problem with them. Right? You can't be consumed by that and expect to have any kind of a testimony. You're not fooling the lost when you do that, and you're definitely not fooling God. You're not putting on, you're not going to trick a lost person into thinking that you are saved. It's not going to happen. If you find, if you are uh, so uh, loosely uh, dabbling into the things of the world, right? They're going to look to you and say, oh, well, you know, Lane, he does this. You know, he's, he's, he goes to that church and yet he's drinking the same beer I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a, a, a preacher, a pretty well known preacher. Uh, I guess in some groups, he was in the military. Uh, he was in the Marines years and years ago, and said so when they were when they ran you through, they asked your religion, and he had no religion. He he didn't know anything about God or Jesus or anything of that nature. Was just a country boy, right? Well, they said, "Are you Catholic or Protestant?" And he said, "Well, I don't know." And they, he said they told him, well, if you was Catholic, you'd know it, so we'll make you a Protestant. And they just marked him down as a Protestant. Protestant's like, well, you and I believe, right? Uh, so, uh, so what he said that he found while he was in, that, in the Marines is those that were Catholic and those that were Protestant, it didn't matter if they were Pentecostal, Baptist, Southern Baptist, Methodist, it didn't matter what they were. They all drank the same beer he was drinking, so he wasn't impressed. It never once fazed him what they had to say because they were doing the same things he was doing, right? You will not have a testimony if you find yourself in doing the same thing this world is. There will be a separation. Yeah. Uh, just like the light from the darkness. You cannot, have, uh, you cannot have a better description of separation than light from dark. You cannot have darkness and light, and you cannot have light and darkness. It will not happen. The light that's in you uh, must come out. Uh, Paul is calling us to reprove the works of darkness. And that is not done by us simply telling people uh, what they're doing is wrong, but by living that example. Right? It's by living that example. They must see that there is something different about you and I. And what they see must be Jesus. They must see Jesus in our lives. Whenever they look at you and they think, if they look at you and think this, when, uh, if you live the life of Christ, they will look at you and they will say, well, you know, he's not getting drunk like we are. Uh, they're not watching the same crap on TV. They're not listening to the same music. They're not going to the same places. They're not doing the same things. Why? What is different about them? What has caused them to be this way? And what they're seeing is Jesus. It must be Jesus because nothing else will change it. So uh, when they see Christ in you, they will see salvation from their sin. So we're going to continue in the scripture. uh, Ephesians 5, we're going to continue in 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk uh, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will... uh, 
understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When we see that you... uh, when they see that you live in such a way that they cannot, it, excuse me, it will expose who they are and it will leave them with a choice. When they see you, when they see the way you live, when they see the way that you talk, when they see the things that you do that they don't and the things that you don't do that they are doing, whenever they see that, that will reprove them. That will expose their darkness, right? Because you are the light of this world. Whenever you're standing in the midst of sinful people, it will do nothing but expose the darkness in their heart, right? That It must be that way, because if it is not that way, maybe we do not know Christ like we should know Him. The light uh, that is in you will pose, uh, expose their darkness, and it is in that moment we must walk as wise men and not as fools. We must know how to hear from God so that we hear when He says to begin ministering to that soul. We must do it in wisdom. Because whenever that darkness is exposed in somebody, that is the moment that whenever that is the moment that religious, prideful people will point the finger and say, Judgment is on you. You will go to hell for this. You will be condemned for this. We go to pointing fingers, but the wisdom of God is going to lead them into love, right? It is what it is love that fulfilled the law. Nobody is going to be corrected over fear. And if they are corrected over fear, it will lead them into bondage, right? So it must be love that they see. So in wisdom, we must continue in that moment. When they are exposed, uh, whenever that darkness is exposed, whenever they're asking you questions, why are you this way? Or what do you do? What is different about you? Or what do you think about God? Or you, you've, if you've ever been asked these questions, you know what I'm talking about, that they will come to you They'll actually they'll bring problems to you or questions or whatever it may be. And it is in that moment we must be able to hear from God. We must be able to hear from God and how to minister to that person. It says to be filled with the Spirit. That is the only way we will be effective in the kingdom of God. It is through the Holy Ghost we will convert, uh, convert the lost. It is the Spirit of God that will speak to you. That is the wisdom that God is talking about. That is the wisdom that Paul is talking about, rather yet. That, uh, that the Spirit of God is going to speak to you, going to give you the words to speak to them, right? So how do we maintain a relationship with Christ so that we can do His will? Because what we're talking about now is that God's will for our life, God's will for every Christian is to increase the kingdom of God, is to spread the gospel. You were not saved so that you could come to Blessing Heights Youth Group, but you were saved to witness and minister to the people around you. You were saved to minister to the people at school. You were saved to minister to people in your family. It wasn't so that you could go to heaven. It, simply, it wasn't simply as that, but it was to spread the gospel. If all God wanted to save you for was to take you to heaven, He would have saved you and killed you on the spot. Why else would He need you here? This life is not worth living unless you're living it in the will of God, right? So He has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to spread the gospel. So uh, we're going to continue 
Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in fear of God, uh, in the fear of God. And what they mean by the fear of God is more of a, more of a respect, would be translated more as in respect to God. Uh, like a, a healthy fear. Kind of the way you fear, fear your parents. You respect them and you care about them. Anyway, uh, Paul is giving us a good instruction on how to continue in a relationship with Christ. So we know, that the will, we, uh, we know what His will is for us, is to spread the gospel, is to increase His kingdom. But how do we maintain this relationship that He's given us so that we can continue in that will? Right? How do we continue in that? And it is simply, uh, it is not simply vain rituals that we follow in this life, uh, but it is a way of life. Right? It's not something that we do on Sunday and Wednesday, but it is something that is a very so much a part of us that it comes out no matter where we are. So we must understand that it is a way of life. So we can now see that the will of God is to submit ourselves to one another. And by doing so, the kingdom of God will increase. So it is singing psalms, worshiping, praising God, seeking after Him, talking to Him. Just allowing Him to be a part of your life. Allowing Him to be a part of everything you do. What you watch, what you listen to. Let God be a part of it. Talk to Christ as though He's right there with you. That is how you maintain this relationship. It must be a part of you to such an extent that there's no off time, right? You never need to take a break from Jesus. It will never happen because Christ is everything we need. Uh, So what is God's will for your life? What is He calling you into? Is He calling you into anything? Are you hearing from God? So if He's calling you into anything, if you're hearing from Him now, uh, in faith, answer that call. Simply walk with God. Whatever it is, just do it. And I promise you, you will never regret it. Whatever it is that He's calling you to, as big or as small as it may be, simply do it. Simply answer that call and uh, do what the Lord has you to do. That is walking with God. That is God's will for your life, is to hear from Him and obey it. Is to hear from Him and minister the gospel to whoever he gives you. So uh, if you want to have time for prayer, now would be a good time. Uh, We don't have a lot of extra time, but we do have time to pray. So if you would like to come up and pray or pray where you're at, uh, feel free.